be with you in a second. Have to do all my own stuff today. <clears throat> Nobody showed up. I'm here, Neil. <clears throat> well, at least I get to decide where I want it. Put it there. Okay, that's good. Just a second. I'm coming. Me and Ed Sheeran <laughs> preaching the word. Louis and I were actually about to come to, to like physical. I was sticking up for my buddy. I hate him. I hate his music. It's terrible. I'm like, it's my buddy. But it was Ed Sheeran. So I was like, yeah. So didn't feel the need to get divorced over Ed Sheeran. You might have gone there. <clears throat> hey, good morning. How are we all? Hey, uh, great. Thank you for asking. Yes, very good. Someone, Vaden? Oh, Vaden. Touch my heart. Um, so uh, last week we celebrated our first birthday. We had our long table lunch and many of you were able to be there. It was great, right? And our team, especially our host team who showed up last week, uh, did a great job. The whole, the whole two setup was just really, really great. So well done to them. A story I didn't get to share, just, I just forgot it on the day, but uh, it was a, it's a cool story. So the catering was done by a, a, a company called Cater Girls, right? And if you were at the long table lunch, you would have seen them, beautiful girls, all dressed, presented nicely, did an excellent job. Now, Cater Girls is a, is a, a spun out from Esther Foundation. Esther Foundation is a residential program uh, run here in Perth for, for girls at risk and with uh, issues and helping them work through that. And they uh, set up Cater Girls to give some of these girls some work experience, you know, with the idea of them having an on-ramp back into, you know, so-called normal life and so on and so forth. And um, we really, uh, here as Elevate Church, we really believe in uh, the the great work that Esther Foundation are doing. And uh, the way we actually uh, invest into them is we give them free uh, use throughout the year of our facilities, which I know many of you don't know that because it happens sort of off the grid, um, but they get f- use of our facilities for anything that they need. They have some midweek meetings here. They do some of their catering in our kitchens uh, to then take it out to their, their clients, and uh, they have the graduation ceremonies here uh, during the year and so on and so forth, and uh, we love that we can invest into them and, and, and use kingdom facilities to, uh, to give them that. Uh, what, what you don't know, and this is, was really cool, is that when we asked Cater Girls to cater for our long table lunch, um, you know, they had to put a charge on for the food and, and, and fair enough. Uh, but they insisted that they would volunteer, that all of those girls that served us last week would actually volunteer and come and serve us uh, at no charge in their own time as a, as a, as a, a means of uh, their gratitude, demonstrating their gratitude to us as Elevate for supporting them. So how cool is that, huh? And a, a bunch of those girls that did serve us last week, it was actually their first gig. Uh, they'd never done it before. And I, and I said to them, each one of them, you wouldn't know. Like, you did a great job. So, uh, yeah, really cool. Hey, now, those of you that are regulars, you um, questioned, did, did anybody, has anybody notice things are a wee bit different this morning? Yeah. That hasn't escaped your attention? Uh, if you're first-time guests, let me, let me catch you up. Uh, because being if it's your first time, you don't know what you're missing. Uh, ordinarily, first-time guests, uh, you would have had one of our host team dressed in a nice uh, black T-shirt, Elevate Church logo on the front. You would have had them meet you at our doors and greet you, welcome you, tell them how glad you are that they are that you're here and 
help, you know, volunteer any information that you might need. They would have uh, shown you to our front desk. They would have pointed you in the direction of our Elevate Kids check-in desk uh, if that was operational. Um, they would have uh, let you know where the bathrooms are. They would have uh, pointed you in the direction of coffee. You know, you probably would have found your way there anyway uh, by following your nose, but they would have done that. And uh, then you would have come in. There would have been some nice, freshly brewed, freshly roasted ants in your pants coffee. You could have got yourself a cup of that uh, with some beats playing in the background, some nice familiar beats just providing a little bit of atmosphere, a bit of funky white noise. Um, you would have been able to sit down. We did, however, just one thing we, we remembered to do was turn on the air conditioners. Um, that's a whole other story. And uh, you'd be able to sit and listen to the beats. We've had stuff on our screen, some important information, things coming up, answer some of your questions. Uh, during the, the, the music, we'd have had uh, a full band rather than uh, Tim doing his sort of uh, solo busking uh, worship performance thing. Whatever that, yep, doing that. Did a great job, by the way. Uh, we would have had a full team. We would, have had, we would have had all the words on the screen. So you would have been able to actually like, sing along. Even if you've never, never even heard the words, you would have been able to, to follow along. And the team would have been putting them up there. And then while Louis, uh, you know, platform leading this morning, we would have had a few other things just to visual frame of reference. Um, but we decided that we were going to have a Sunday that we've called No Show Sunday, where with a cu- bar a couple of exceptions... We wanted to have an experience of what it's like here if none of our team members turned up. And we wanted to do this for a few reasons. One of the reasons, and and possibly even the main reason, if I had to rank them, but one of the the key reasons is that I actually wanted our team members to be able to sit back on one Sunday and actually see for themselves the enormous contribution that they make week in, week out. The the heavy lifting they do, the quality investment to create an environment where first-time guests will be better engaged and, and overall our live experience be more effective. Because one of the things that I'm aware of in life and leadership is that we can get into kind of the doing of tasks For team members, we can get into the doing of tasks and and sometimes forget the why. And not not intentionally, not because we're stupid, just just that we get so kind of involved in the the every day, every week doing of the tasks, we we can forget the why. And I wanted to really just take today to remind our team members of the why. Because when we understand the why, in, in any area of life, by the way, if we don't understand the why, we often don't give our full to the what. But if we can answer the why question, there's, there's a story, it's kind of a preacher's story. I, I don't know if it's true or if it's just a- allegorical, but it makes the point. There's a story, a man was walking along one day and he saw two workers, two kind of masonry workers working with these, uh, these um, big, uh, carving out these big stones and, and moving those big stones to, to be constructing this, this uh, ornate uh, substantial wall. And, and uh, the guy, the passerby, he's, he looks to the first guy who's, who's uh, picking up the stone and he's putting it on his trolley and he's moving it over to where the wall's being built. And he says to the guy, hey, mate, you know, what, what, what's all this about? What's, what, what, are you, what are you doing? And the guy says, oh, well, what I'm doing is I'm moving rocks from here 
over to there. And, uh, you know, the passerby thinks, yeah, all right, you know, I could have probably figured that out. I've, I, that's what I was watching you do, but yeah, all right. And, uh, but he thinks to ask the second guy, because the second guy had this incredibly different countenance. He was joy-filled. He was, he was energetic. He was like, just like, like in stark contrast to this other guy that was just moving blocks from here to there. So he said to the other guy, mate, why don't you tell me what you're doing? What, what, what are you doing? And the guy says, big smile on his face, this chest puffs out, so proud. He says, I'm building a cathedral. You see, that was the, the project that they were actually building in the day, this magnificent house of God that people would, would worship in, would be drawn into. The two guys were doing the same tasks, but one of them understood why, understood the value, understood the purpose, understood the bigger picture. And because of that, everything about how he approached the task was different. And our team members, guys, I want you to, 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 I wanted you today to be able to walk in and realize, by way of contrast, the type of environment that we're committed to creating every single Sunday for our first-time guests. See, first-time guests have different expectations than long-term churchy people. And, uh, and we... As Elevate Church, our code is that we prioritize outsiders over insiders. So we do a lot of heavy lifting, a lot of very intentional preparation for our first-time guests. And today we wanted to strip that all back and, and, and see what it's like when we don't prepare for our first-time guests. Interestingly, we're not the first group in history to have found ourselves unprepared for first-time guests. In fact... The story I want to share with you was a time about 2,000 years ago when Jesus was here in physical form on the earth. How are you doing there, Tim? Good. Um, physical form on the earth. And uh, John, one of his followers, actually recorded a scene. Now, normally, guests, we put these uh, words up on the screen so you could follow along. But as you can see, our team didn't show up today. So I'm going to read this. But if you've got a little Bible app or if you've got a physical Bible, you can flick that open now. You can open your app to John chapter 2, verse 1. Stewie's stuck in a time warp. He's kind of having these flashbacks to Stuart. Please open your Bible to John chapter 2. And we shall be reading verses 1 through 11. John chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Quiet in the front row. All right. So here's the story as John recorded it. Three days later, there was a wedding in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother, Mary, was there. And Jesus and his disciples were guests also. Now, I'm just going to kind of highlight a few things as we go through this story. But the first thing I want to highlight, which maybe seems a little unrelated to No Show Sunday, but I love the fact that there was a wedding and Jesus and his disciples were there also. Andy Stanley leads a church called North Point Community Church in Atlanta, in Georgia. Uh, he's got a saying that I picked up a few years ago. People that weren't like Jesus liked Jesus. 
Fantastic. Too, too many churches, too many Christians are only known for what they don't like, only known for what they're against. And we want to be the sort of people, the sort of Jesus followers, the sort of church that, that we're known for what we're for. And one of the things is we are for life. We are for life and life in all of its abundance because that's what Jesus promised us. And so Jesus was at a wedding. Not only was he at a wedding, but the wedding had booze. John records when they started running low on wine at the wedding banquet, Jesus' mother told him, hey, they're just about out of wine. Now, maybe in this day and age at a wedding, when you're just about out of wine, sometimes that's a good thing because Uncle Harry is about to let loose on the dance floor and, and to have no more wine left to fuel Uncle Harry is actually a good thing. It's time for Uncle Harry to switch to the Diet Coke, okay? But in this era, it was a very different cultural environment that they were in. Honor was the currency of the day, okay? How you honored guests, both in your home and at things like feasts and wedding banquets, how you prepared, how you uh, ensured you had everything that a guest would require was actually a direct statement of the value that you placed on that guest. And so for you to run out of anything in the presence of a guest was to actually show them dishonor. I'm explaining it now because we don't have that same currency in the same form in our culture today, not in Western, uh, you know, Western society here in Australia. It certainly still happens in many parts of the world where if you run out of things for your guests, it's a, it's a great sign of dishonor. But th- and, th- and that was the culture here. That was the time here. So when Mary said to Jesus, hey, Jesus, they're just about running out of wine. It wasn't the wine that she was concerned about. It, she was trying to help the actual hosts of the wedding save face. She was concerned that they were going to lose face, lose standing with the guests in their community. So she was kind of like, hey, we better get their back on this one. Honor was king. And we, as Elevate Church, we made a decision from day one that we were going to treat our guests as VIPs and we were going to do as much heavy lifting as we could to make sure that we were prepared to make sure that every single first-time guest that walks through our doors is shown honor, that they know that they matter to God and that they know that they matter to us, both with visual, tangible cues and also through the spirit and the environment that we, that we bring and that we create. Guests matter to God and therefore they matter to us. Well, Jesus said, and this is one of those times, those of you that still live with your parents, this is one of those times where I just need to say before I read this, don't do as Jesus did. Jesus said to Mary, is there any of our business, mother, yours or mine? This isn't my time. Don't push me. Being a good mum, she went ahead anyway. <laughs> Telling the servants, and I want you to hear this, 
telling the servants, whatever he tells you, do it. It's a really, really powerful principle for you and I to live by. Whatever Jesus tells you, do it. Six stoneware water pots were there, used by the Jews for ritual washings. Kind of like these, these big earthenware pots that, that guests on arrival to a home, or in this case to the wedding banquet, would actually wash uh, before entering and, and enjoying the meal. So th- there was these, these uh, pots there, used for ritual washings. Each held 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus ordered the servants, fill the pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. Now, Again, we have to kind of go back in time. And for those of you that are visual people, just try to use your imagination with me on this. These big earthenware pots, 20 to 30 gallons, it wouldn't have been a simple matter of just kind of dragging a pot over to the tap and filling it with water because there wasn't taps. There wasn't this kind of convenient plumbing. Stewie, you would not have had a thriving business in that time, Ardent Plumbing and Gas, if you're listening on the podcast, highly recommend them. They, uh, they would have had to take these big earthenware pots. I, I might start selling real estate on my, on my thing as like uh, advertising space. Anyway, um, they would have had to have taken those pots to the well, wherever the well was. But it's not like every home had a well in the backyard. There was often a well for the village and it was often outside of the village area. So they would have had to taken the pots over to the well, drawn the water, filled up the pots, and brought each of those six pots back. 20 to 30 gallons of water in an earthenware pot would have weighed approximately 100 kilos. Okay? To give you some context of when Jesus said to them, hey, get those pots and fill them with water, and they went ahead and filled them to the brim. One of the takeaways that we need to understand, even about this simple part of the story, is that Sometimes Jesus will instruct us to do things that are inconvenient and uncomfortable. And there's a myth that's going, that goes around too many churches that if you're uncomfortable, you must be outside of the will of God. And yet oftentimes Jesus calls us to do something uncomfortable and our obedience to take Mary's cue, whatever he tells you, do it. We are right smack bang in the sweet spot of the will of God right there. When Jesus said, fill the pots with water, they did. They fulfilled Jesus' will. And then Jesus said, when they brought these six earthenware pots filled to the brim, Jesus said, now fill your jugs and take them to the host. Jesus said, and they did. See a pattern here? Jesus said, and they did. I'm about, spoiler alert, by the way, I'm about to reveal to you that Jesus had turned that water into wine. Okay, spoiler alert, all right? I'm about to tell you that. I'm not telling you that yet. I'm about to read that part of the story. But what we have to understand is that at this moment, the servants, they didn't know that that had happened. They just brought some pots back filled of water and Jesus is telling them to get a jug 
and, and, and scoop that and take that to the host. And they didn't even question it. They just did it. Like, you know, they're thinking that they're now taking a jar of water, not even club lemon. Because <laughs> somehow this jar of water is going to solve the honor problem that the, that the host is about to encounter, right? What a gag. The host tasted the water that had become wine. He didn't know what had just happened, but okay. In the scooping, by the jar of the jug, the servants, they now knew. And the host called out to the bridegroom, Mate! This is the Aussie version. Mate! Everybody I know begins with their finest wines, and after the guests had their fill, brackets are getting a little bit soused, Brings in the cheap stuff, but, but you've saved the best till now. And this is a miracle that's often just talked about, that Jesus turned water into the wine, but there is so much more that we can learn from this. A couple of the big takeaways that I want us to understand, and I'm, I'm speaking primarily to our team members, but I'm not speaking exclusively to our team members because these are eternal principles that apply to all of us in every sphere of our life. One of the takeaways from this story is that when we bring our best, Jesus transforms it into his best. When we bring our best, Jesus transforms it into his best. Let me ask you the question. How much wine would there have been in each pot if the servants had only half filled the pots? It's simple math. There would have been half the amount of wine. But because they filled the pots to the brim, now with water, now the pots were filled to the brim with wine. Jesus took them bringing their best, which was to fill them, not to half fill them because they were heavy, and we had to drag him a long way, Jesus. And don't you know, you know, got a bit of a bad back. And, you know, my mate over here, he's got a bit of a bung knee. They filled them to the brim. And because they filled them to the brim, Jesus transformed them to the brim. When we bring our best, Jesus transforms that into his best. And our code as Elevate Church and our, our team members hear me beat this drum almost relentlessly. We always bring our best. As Elevate Church, we always bring our best. Why? Because first of all, we serve the king. And the king deserves nothing but our best. He's worthy of our best. We honor him when we bring our best. And also, we bring our best because people deserve our best. Because we want to show honor to them every single time we show up. And so our team members, we, 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 we're building a culture where we want and we need team members who are going to arrive early, who are going to turn up prepared, ready, had your coffee on the way in, whatever you need to get the motor running. Stay late until everything's done. 
bring our best attitude, bring our best energy, become an expert in, 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 in the area that you serve, our host team. You know, when you have a good customer service experience in a retail setting or a, or a hotel or, or a cafe, notice that and, and, and what made it a good customer experience for you and make sure we bring that and, 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 and make sure that we are the best hosts we can be. Our music team, I know right now several of our music team are getting a vocal lessons and it's not because they stink, it's because they know that they can get better and, and they want to make sure that they're bringing their best. I love that. Every team member, we need to be bringing our best and then continuing to improve because God is worthy of our best and our guests deserve our best. I remember uh, a few years ago, um, I was in Indonesia uh, in the city Surabaya. Surabaya is on the, uh, the island of Java. The capital of Indonesia is on the west coast, Jakarta. And on the east coast, the second largest city in Indonesia is a city called Surabaya. There's a church there called Bethany Church, and they've sprawled out uh, right across Indonesia now. But their kind of uh, hub is, uh, is, a, is a dome, a wooden dome. Their auditorium is a wooden dome. It's the largest wooden dome structure in the world. It, it seats 25,000 people. And um, so I was there speaking on this particular weekend, uh, they start, they have 100,000 people go through their building on the Sunday. This was back then. It's grown since then. And so they have to hold multiple services throughout the day. Their first service on a Sunday starts at 6 a.m. And this is a suit and tie church. And I mean everyone, even the women, not the women, uh, and I turned up there at, uh, I, you know, had a, 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 a driver hosting me. They came to pick me up from the hotel, turn up there, turn up there at 5.30 a.m. That was me as uh, the guest speaker. Um, and everything was set up. Everyone was ready to go. All of the music team, they'd already done their rehearsal in their suit and tie. Uh, not quite the dress standard around here, I can see, Stuart. Um, all of their building was all, was all set. Everything was prepared by 5.30 on a Sunday morning. That's pretty inspirational. Um, a few years ago, Louis and I were uh, in England with a couple of our friends from the States. We kind of met them and took them on a bit of a Euro road trip. Um, and uh, and we, we spent uh, about a week in London and... Uh, while they're in London, I was preaching at a church. It's actually a, a, a Ghanaian church. Everyone, I was the only white man in the church. All these big, and Ghanaians are big. Like, you know, they're the sprinters. The Kenyans are, the Ghanaians are. And, uh, and so I was preaching. I was like, hilarious. I was the guy clapping on the one and three while the rest of the church were grooving it out on the two and four. You know, like, I'm like, I just gave up after a while. Like, yeah, what he said, you know, but. Oh, it's so fun. Anyway, but rather than come and hear me preach, my wife went to another church with our friends. Great. Love to have had your support there. But anyway. And, um, but they went to Hillsong London Church. And uh, because it's the sort of church that you have to kind of see for yourself to believe it. And I say that, and the reason they wanted to go is, one of the first stories that I had heard about Hillsong London Church is from the guy that leads it. It's a guy named Gary Clark. He's a Sydney uh, native. 
um, leading the church over there. Uh, he came to a conference that we ran in England a, a, a few years prior to this. And he just was sharing how some of the culture, some of the, the way they went about it, some of the values that they have as a church, because the church was exploding, reaching this, this so-called post-Christian, secular, unreachable city. And they were proving all of the critics wrong, uh, that, that Londoners were hungry for Jesus. And, um, and Gary shared uh, a bit of their story one of the things that he talked about, so, so they don't own a building in, in downtown London. I mean, real estate is super expensive, so you don't, you don't own a building. The church is now multiple thousands of people. So they rent uh, a, a theater in kind of the West End part of London called the Dominion Theater, which is a whole other story there, called the Dominion Theater. And the Dominion Theater at the time, I'm not sure if it's still the case, on the Saturday night, would play the uh, would host the um, Queen tribute show called We Will Rock You, and the Queen tribute show people would have to, would have to strip out the whole uh, Dominion Theatre after the end of the show on the Saturday night, and then Hillsong London would have to come in on the Sunday morning and and set up and get the whole uh, theatre ready for doing their services throughout the day. Um, and the day starts for Hillsong London. At 4 a.m. at the loading dock behind the Dominion Theatre, where between three and 400 of the team members are standing waiting at 4 a.m., 52 Sundays of the year, having gotten on the subway to get there, are waiting at this loading dock, Hillsong semi-trailers back up to the loading dock with all of their lighting and speakers and so on and so forth, all of their equipment for the day. It's three, three to four hundred. This is back then. It, it may be the numbers may have blown up even further, but we just remember hearing that and we're like, wow. I mean, that's both challenging and inspiring, right? 4 a.m., yeah. including winter <laughs> in London, where it's a little bit brisker than in Perth. And they're there. And uh, it's like, God can build on that. It's when we bring our best, God transforms it into his best. Another takeaway from this story of Jesus turning water into wine is uh, it would be a mistake to think that the guests at the wedding had a better ticket than the servants. We'd miss so much if we think that the people that had the best seats in the house were the guests because they were the ones out there drinking the finest wine and and eating the finest food. If we thought that, we'd miss something very, very important. About two years ago, a friend of ours, Michael Painter, uh, he's since been on The Voice and, and, and by the way, released his new CD uh, last week. What a product placement in this message today. I don't know what's going on. Um, I should have put one. Um, Michael was doing a national tour as the support act for Miley Cyrus. And uh, she was playing at the Burswood Dome, which is now the Burswood Car Park. Uh, she was playing at the Burswood Dome and Michael was the support act. And Michael said, you know, I, I can give you some free tickets. Would you like to come along? And I'm like, No. It's Miley Cyrus, mate. I mean, it's a stupid question to even ask me. But he said, no, well, come along and uh, you, can, you can watch me play. And then I can, I can give you backstage passes and you can hang out with us 
backstage. And we got, you know, got the whole sort of trailer thing, this, that, and the other. And, and, uh, and I thought, oh, that, that's a different gig, you know. Backstage pass, wow, that's pretty cool. Get to see all, you know, what, what happens behind the scenes. And, and, uh, and, and that's, by the way, when I tell people I went to see Miley Cyrus, I, I make sure I tell them I only went because I got the backstage pass, right? Because everyone understands the, 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 the power and the exclusivity of a backstage pass, right? Because just everyone gets the front stage pass. You, you, you buy a ticket, you get to sit front stage, but only a select few people get the backstage pass. Well, at this wedding, there was only a handful of people who got a backstage pass, and they were the servants. But I'll tell you what, what, what else is important to understand. There was only a handful of people that got to see the miracle firsthand, up close and personal, of Jesus turning the water into wine, and that was the servants with the backstage pass. And we need to understand the takeaway for us is that it is so much better being a servant in God's house. It is so much better being a contributor because we get a backstage pass to Jesus doing miracles every single week. And so we've made a commitment that today, No Show Sunday is going to be the only live experience where we allow ourselves to run out of wine, where we allow ourselves to come unprepared. Now, I could have gotten our team members together and given this kind of, you know, rah-rah and, and, and said everything I just said in a separate setting, but I didn't just want to speak to our team members this morning. I also wanted to, 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 to speak to those of you who are not yet team members. And I, want you, I wanted you to see just how much heavy lifting our team members do, just how much commitment and sacrifice they bring. Uh, we uh, calculated that in our first year, up to last Sunday, in our first year as Elevate Church, conservatively, our team members collectively contributed over 5,000 hours just in our first year. And that's conservatively. Because they want to honor our guests and they want to honor God. And I love that. But I didn't just want to speak to our team members. I want to say to our not yet team members that we want you to get off the bench and we want you to get in the game. Not because we want something from you, but because we want something for you. We want you to have a backstage pass to what God's doing here at Elevate Church. Andy Stanley, who I referenced earlier, says that people who weren't like Jesus liked Jesus. Uh, he does something like this once a year. Doesn't necessarily tell the teams to stay home, but, but, but once a year, they focus on speaking and challenging and inspiring not yet team members to give serious thought, to taking their next step of getting off the bench and into the game. And here's what he says every single year. Here's what he says. And I wrote this down. This is what he says. He looks out across the chairs of their auditorium and he says to the not yet team members, if you know where to park your car, if you know where and how to check your kids in, if you know where the bathrooms are and you know the words to the songs we sing, but you aren't yet serving in a team, maybe it's time for you to consider finding another church. Because you're taking up a seat that we've set up for a first-time guest. 
You're drinking coffee we prepared for a first-time guest to make them welcome, and you're consuming resources that people are giving so the kingdom of God can grow. You reckon it gets pretty quiet around Andy Stanley's auditorium when he's finished that sentence? It's pretty ballsy, hey? Maybe it's time to find another church because you're taking up someone's seat. Because the kingdom of God's not about consuming. It's about contributing. Some people come with the intention of just getting all they can and then canning all they get. Think about that one. But we don't want something from you. We want something for you. Andy Stanley tells the story that when he makes that statement, there's kind of two two responses around the, the seats. There's the current team members who are, you know, under their breath going, yeah, get him, Andy, get him. Yeah, you tell him, Andy. Yeah, stick it to him, Andy. Oh, yeah, preach it, Andy. Come on, Andy, give it to him, Andy. Uh, and then, of course, there's the, there's the ones that he's sticking it to <laughs> who are feeling a little bit, I hope, challenged. I hope inspired. Uh, and I hope ready for them to take their next step And uh, we want that for you. If you're not yet in a team, we want that for you. I want you to grab on the seat that you're sitting on or next to this little uh, brochure that we've produced for today, well, from today. You should all pretty much all have access to that. Shimmy across, pinch someone else's if you need to. This is a little... It's a little booklet, but actually it's more than a booklet. It's kind of a model that we've been formulating for quite some time that we've called Find Your Fit. You won't hear us talk about we need you to join a team. You won't hear us talk about that. You won't hear us use that language because we don't need you to join a team. Instead, our perspective, which hopefully we've interpreted correctly as a biblical perspective, is that God has something for each and every one of us to do. It's a part of why we're here on this earth. It's a part of our calling. It's not just limited to the four walls of our church, but part of being planted in a church is contributing. And so we don't talk about needs. We talk about from the assumption that, that, that people are actually going to want to step into their calling. Our job as leaders is to, just to help you find your fit. And we understand and, and appreciate that you wouldn't apply for a job. You wouldn't go on to seek.com.au and apply for a job that didn't have any description. You know, you'd think it was some kind of dodgy kind of telemarketing gig or something. You know, what's the catch? You know, they, they, they make the point on seek.com.au to tell you how many days a week, how many hours per day, what sort of skills are required, what sort of training is offered, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what's the pay grade and so on and so forth. It's a no-brainer when we go into seek.com.au. Well, we've kind of taken the same approach uh, by trying to spell out as best we can the various roles with a little bit of uh, meat on the bones, the various opportunities that we have for you to find your fit here at Elevate Church. The other thing we've tried to address, and and, and you can read this uh, for yourself, but the other thing we've tried to address is the old school approach to people joining teams is to ask you, what's your passion? What's your passion? 
Is it kids ministry? Is it youth ministry? Is it music? Is it hosts? What's your passion? And, uh, and some people actually can answer that. Some people have a passion for a particular ministry area or a particular people group. And we love that. And if, that's, if, if you've got that, if you already know, my passion is multimedia or my passion is, is kids or my, and you're not, not yet serving in those areas, fantastic. We'll take you, we'll introduce you to the team leader, we'll drop you in there and you can start leaning in to that area with your passion. But actually, 20 years in this business, I've observed that not everyone has a passion for a particular ministry area or a particular people group, but would actually rather, they would be just happy to say, put me where where I can be utilized the best, and I love that as well. Um, and so when we have that approach, we try to marry kind of gifts and skills and personalities to a particular role. So we've created these five personalities, uh, kind of profiling some, some of who you might be. We've talked about you might be the guardian and little bit about what the Guardian does. We've, you might be a mastermind like Dr. Evil. And uh, we talk a little bit about that. A social genius. You might be a ninja. Oh. You might be a trailblazer. And, and if this is something that you identify with more than thinking a particular ministry area or people group, but rather you say, well, yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm a social genius. I just love being around people. Well, what we've endeavored to do in this model is give you some examples of where you could actually join a team and use who you are, regardless of the actual ministry area, and hopefully thrive and flourish. So next step, and I'm talking about people who aren't yet in an Elevate team. Next step. It does say what the next step is, but I'll make it easy for you. You can read that later on. Next step is to say, I want to join a team. And uh, at best, you might already know what that team is, or you might not know what the team is, but you identify which one of these kind of people types you are. Or at worst, and it's not a problem, but like at the very minimum, you might not even have a clue, but you're ready to join a team, but you don't know which team, where, who or how. You can do the next step, your next step in one of two ways. This is the business end of the, of the equation this morning. We're going to finish and uh, drink air coffee. Terrific stuff, this. Um, there's a next step card. Would have been in a similar orbit to the Find the Fit Your Fit uh, booklet there. Uh, grab this. <clears throat> Tick the box, join an Elevate team. Fill in your contact details. Um, our hosts didn't set up our front desk this morning. Because they didn't turn up. They didn't show. So, uh, so I can't send you to our front desk. Normally we'd send you to our front desk. Well, the backup plan would be to pass the buckets along. But that would be the hosts doing that as well. But they didn't turn up. 
So here's what we'll do. If you're old school and you want to do pen and paper, there's a pen and there's a next step card. Tick the box, join an Elevate team. And um, what's that? Now I'll tell you what to do. I'm, now I'm totally freestyling. Uh, I'm going to put this table, which I proved I can actually lift, down here, and you just come down. We're going to all finish and, and, and look the other way, but just come and just put it down, and we'll gather them up, and our team leaders will follow you up. Alternatively, you can go onto our website, and you can actually punch through your application there, uh, elevatechurch.me. You can do it mobile, or you can do it on our, on our uh, full website. 2014. We're declaring is our is a breakthrough year, breakthrough 2014. And one of the ways we will see breakthrough is by everyone finding their fit and contributing by filling the jars. Because if we can fill the jars with contributors, fill the jars with team members, fill the jars with bringing our best, God takes our best and transforms it into His best. He's not going to have to be scraping from the bottom of the barrel. We're going to be overflowing. And God's going to overflow in the same measure that we commit to. So that's what this morning's all about. First time guests, please come back next week. And we will show that we weren't lying when we said about all this other stuff that we supposedly do normally. Um, And for those of you that are ready to take that next step, a team leader will contact you. We'll talk about it. We'll drop you in the shallow end of the team so that if it's the wrong team for you, you can just wade back out and jump in another team. Joining a team is not a life sentence. It's a probation period. And if, you know, if it's not working out, we'll find another one that's absolutely cool. But wow. The power of us all contributing, bringing our best is, uh, is pretty exciting. Look, one thing I want to do as well before we finish is to give you an opportunity, and we do this every week as well, to give you an opportunity if you've not yet made a decision to follow Jesus. If you're one of the people at the wedding, metaphorically speaking, but you don't realize that, that Jesus is real, that Jesus wants to be in a relationship with you, then we want to give you the opportunity right now to actually take that next step, to make that your next step, to say, yeah, actually, I want to know this Jesus. I want to actually have a relationship with him. For those of you that are ready to take that step, that, that that's your next step today, I just want you to put your hand up in a moment. And when I see your hand, you can put it down. And, but by putting your hand up, you're not kind of waving at me so much as you're actually saying, God, I want, to, I want that relationship with you. I want, I want to actually follow you. And, uh, and he'll see your hand. and He'll see your heart. We don't want you to miss this opportunity right now. So for those of you that haven't made this decision to actually make Jesus your Lord, to be in a relationship with him, to make that your next step today, just slip your hand up real quickly. And when I see your hand, you can put it down. And we're going to, just going to quickly pray. And then we're done. We don't want to miss anybody. So right now, with the rest of us praying, if you've never made that decision to, to, to start a relationship with Jesus, just slip your hand up right now. You say, yeah, I need to make that step today. When I see your hand, you can put it down real quickly. 
I don't want to miss anybody. And we don't want you to miss this opportunity. Okay, let's keep, as a church, engaging and investing and inviting. Seeing this place full of first-time guests week in, week out. Now, normally we would talk about what's coming up next week by putting up a captivating slide and talking a little bit about it. But our media team didn't show up today either. So uh, next week, and I have been... um, preempting this as well. Next week, we're launching a brand new conversation for three weeks. We're going to be talking about God's will. The title of our conversation is God's will is whatever. And uh, over the dinner table last night, I previewed a little bit about that. What, what we're going to be talking about, I previewed it with Louis. And, and uh, not that my words are all, you know, awe-inspiring, and she was, but she went, her, her response was, wow, that will be so freeing. For our people to hear you teach about God's will from that vantage point. So be here, Jordan, and the rest of you, but especially Jordan. And I, 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 really, I really do hope and pray that it will be incredibly freeing for you, those of you that really want to know and do God's will in your life. So, um, hey... I'm putting the table down here. This morning's coffee is didn't show up either. So uh, just talk to people without social oil, if you can.